0: I am glad to go back into the sermon series on generosity this Sunday. I think generosity is something that this world really, really, really needs right now in in the crazy climate of our country. I think generosity has been so absent from the way that people have treated one another. And our theme this year at this church is let there be, be light, a year of clarity, a year of hope a year of growth, and we want to create some clarity regarding this idea of generosity. You need to know that this is a a really radical teaching when you start talking about generosity. Because here are the statistics. So this is uh, according to Barna. It's a study that I I quoted from last Sunday, but I didn't mention this part. It says that um, out of all the U.S. adults. Only 95% of millennials give 10% of their income to the church or a nonprofit. Um, no, 95% do not. Sorry, I'm like that didn't that didn't really make sense. Uh, now, if you are a Gen Xer or a Boomer or an elder, it doesn't get much better for you. Only. 93% of Gen Xers give 10% of their income to a church or a nonprofit. Did I say that wrong again? Yeah. 93% don't. We will get it right. All right, third time right here. Third time's a charm. 92% of boomers do not give 10% of their income to the church. Or another nonprofit and 85% of elders do not give 10% to a church or a nonprofit. So this, so like the overwhelming majority uh, do not give 10% of their money away. So this teaching is radical. This is extremely countercultural, but it's needed. Um, I am going to be based in 2 Corinthians 9. Last Sunday, we looked at 2 Corinthians 8. I'm going to read the chapter to you. It's a lot, so resist the urge to think about the Browns game at this moment. Uh, we're going to get there, and that will be fun, but this is what we really need. By the way, um, sometimes my mind is going everywhere, but by the way, um, in regards to the Browns, so, I listen to 850 every day. Anybody else listen to Sports Talk, 850 Browns Radio? No? Okay, a couple. Um, what I've noticed is Uncle Rizzo, if, you, if you're a fan of 850, and um, Aaron Goldhammer, I really noticed that they were stretching to be ha- They were happy about the Browns, but I sensed in their explanations that an emptiness, that finally the Browns made it to the playoffs. And guess what? Their life's still the same. (laughs) So this is where real life is found, right? Not in the Browns, you know, doing well this season. That was such a sidebar. Hopefully you can still stick with me here. Second Corinthians nine, this sermon's off to a great start, guys. Uh, Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous, no, Uh, we said it right last time, superfluous, superfluous for me to write to you, for I know your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians that Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority. By the way, a little bit of context. So remember from last week, Jerusalem church, they need money because there's a great famine in the land. And so Paul right here, he is writing to the Corinthians saying, look, I'm taking a collection so we can give money to the church in Jerusalem that is in really great need, right? And remember in 2 Corinthians 8, He said, hey, the Macedonians have already given, and they gave way beyond what they were able, and it was amazing, and so that's why he's talking to the Macedonians. And right here, he's saying this, that the Corinthians, they started to give, and their initial zeal is actually what led to the Macedonians giving so much to the church in Jerusalem. And now Paul, he's encouraging the Corinthians to continue what they've started. So, verse 3. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you, should be in vain in this respect, that as I said, you may be ready, lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared. We, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. Paul's sending some Macedonians to get the money from the Corinthians. He's like, I'm telling you right now, so that when they get there, you're ready. And so you're not embarrassed by not being ready. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. But this I say, he, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Wow, so last, last week we talked about what is generosity, and I gave you this definition. Generosity is willingly and joyfully giving out of your surplus of resources to meet another person's need as an act of devotion to God and his people. All your resources, not just some of them, and remember what surplus actually is. It's not the what we have left over after we've you know, lived uh, an extravagant, you know, luxurious life. It's what we have left over after our basic needs are met, of clothing, food, transportation, those sort of things. Now, today what I want to focus on with you is, all right, if that is what generosity is, why be generous? Maybe you, like myself, you parents have fallen into the trap of just telling your kids, just do what I'm telling you to do and don't ask why, like, just do it, right? What I appreciate about God the Father is he's always telling us why. So why be generous? First of all, generosity pleases God. So this past summer my boys started a little business. Little man's pumpkin, nope, little man's flowers and vegetables. And what they have done is we have a garden, they grew stuff in the garden, grew flowers, vegetables, and they sold them. And as a result, they actually made some decent money for a 10 year old and eight an year old. And because they made some money, they were able to save some money, which meant they were able to buy Christmas gifts this year. Um, Elijah, and uh, he spent uh, 70, 70 bucks on gifts for Mary and I and his brother, isn't that amazing? For a 10-year-old? We didn't tell him to do it. We didn't ask him to do it. Um, Isaiah spent quite a bit of money on, on gifts for us as well. And what was so cool is they were more excited about giving us their gifts that they bought for us than they were about receiving gifts. That's what they talked about the most. And then on Christmas morning, they were adamant that Mary and I opened up the gifts they got us first. No way when I was a kid I'd be doing that. You got (laughs) presents under the tree. You've been waiting all year for this day. I'm not going to have my parents open gifts. I didn't even know if I got my parents gifts except for what I made at the school, right? (laughs) Um, But that's what they wanted to do. And guess what? It pleased our hearts. Why did it please our hearts? Because we value generosity. We think generosity is a good thing. Um, It pleases us. And we know the dangers of greed that Dustin just talked about. And so it pleased us. Now, I'm sure all of you parents, you probably feel the same way when you catch your kids being generous, right? It pleases your heart. Evidently, God's the same way. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. When God's children are generous, it brings joy to the Father's heart. Why? Because God, he values generosity, doesn't he? It's good in his sight. It's how he really wired the world to work. It leads to human flourishing, right? It's a value of his kingdom that, as we've already spoken about, is so contrary to the values of this world. Why else should we be generous? Uh, And and I'll just say this, one, one more thing on that point. If you really love God, you're going to want to, you, you aim to please the ones you love. And even if it's not, I mean, even if personal benefit isn't coming to you, simply because it pleases the one you love. That should be, that should be one of our main motivations for being generous. Not what we get, but simply we, we just want to please God. Second, secondly here, generosity shows others what God is like. So, God not only values generosity, He is generous. Like, it is His very nature to be generous. Remember in our Christmas sermon series, we talked about how God has always existed in three, one God, but, but three distinct, equal persons Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in that community of the Godhead, there has always been this generous, self giving love. That has happened in the Godhead. Um, The Scripture says, you know, that the Father glorified the Son, and the Son glorified the Father, and the Spirit glorified the Son. They're praising each other, glorifying. No, like, no, you first. No, you first. No, no, you first. There was this other centerness that was and is and always will be in the Godhead. And in, in John 17:10, Jesus said to the Father, "Check this out, all I have is yours, and all um, you have is mine." In John 16:15, Jesus said to his disciples, "The Spirit will take from what is mine. Jesus freely giving to the Holy Spirit what is His, and the Spirit will make it known to his disciples. In the community of the Godhead there's this other centeredness each person giving to and promoting the significance of the other persons Generosity is a mark of the three in one God The Bible also tells us that we were made in God's image so what does that mean then It must mean that we were created with the ability to experience God's generosity and to reflect his generosity by being generous to others. That's what it must, part of what it must mean. And boy, do we receive God's generosity minute by minute, second by second. Right now, you're receiving it as you sit in those chairs. The very air that's going into your lungs has been given to you by God, those lungs you're breathing with, given to you by God, the clothes you're wearing, ultimately given to you by God, the health you have to be able to get here at this point, given to you by God, moment by moment. His mercy, His grace, His generosity is just fresh and new. And of course, and I, what I really appreciate about Brandon is he emphasized to you that the greatest display of God's generosity, of course, was the, his son, Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection for us. And that's why Paul, if you remember from last week in Second Corinthians 8, he says, though he was rich, Jesus was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor that, through, that you through his poverty might become rich. Why be generous? Because it pleases God, and it reflects the God who is generous. When I was in college, I worked at the Olive Garden. I was a server, and me and my co-workers, we hated working on Sundays. You know why? Because of church people. It's the truth. If you've ever been a server, you know this is true. Unfortunately. Because... It, It was the church people who were the lousiest, stingiest tippers. And so nobody wanted to work on Sunday. Isn't that just a horrible, poor reflection of our God, who is radically, extravagantly generous? They would hand you a tract. That's what they would give you. That served to repel more of my coworkers away from Christ than it ever did to try and draw them near. Thirdly, generosity leads others to praise God. In 2 Corinthians 9, 12 and 13, Paul, he he makes it clear um, that the Corinthians, if they are to participate and actually finish what they started by actually giving to the church in Jerusalem, it would not only supply the church in Jerusalem, supply their needs, but it would actually lead to those in Jerusalem praising God is what Paul tells us in verses 12 and 13. This past Christmas, our City Serve team uh, followed up with 40 families that we um, served through our last household item and clothing giveaway. And as a result of that follow-up, our City Serve team learned that there were some families that were really in need. And so what we were able to do as a church and as a CityServe team was essentially provide Christmas for these needy families. And this past week, we had a meeting, and this is what I heard in, in our meeting from those who actually met with the families to give them what we pulled together through our life groups. Um, it was Sharon who reported all of them realized that it had come from God. Isn't that amazing? Generosity leading to the praise of God. It's remarkable um i have been on the receiving end of generosity too many times to count it just happens all the time we have a term for it in our house we call them god kisses god is constantly blessing us as i was preparing the sermon and thinking about that fact i thought about a lot of things Um, last week i said you know i probably spent way too much money on tools that's true probably (laughs) More true maybe than I'd like to admit, but here's the truth too. Most of the tools I have have been given to me. Most of the music equipment I have have been given to me. Most of the furniture we own in our house has been given to us. Most of the clothes our boys wear have been given to us. God is so good to us. Just recently we were given, um, and Brandon, Brandon and Dustin almost died from this generous yeah. gift from somebody else to me. Seriously, Chase it too, all right? Somebody gave us a hoop, and it's a monster of a basketball hoop. And Brand, and needs some TLC, but Brand knew that thing's like $3,000. Like this stuff happens to us all the time. Um, just this past week, I spent three hours with two mentors of mine. They're, they're pouring into me, talking to them about church, and what do we do here, and three hours. Just this past week, I got a check for $50 from somebody. Just this past week, I got an email from my friend out in California, his assistant. Hey, Bill wants to send you an advanced copy of his book. It's being sent to me. By the way, I'll plug his book here. Um, Journey of the Soul is the title of it. A Practical Guide to Emotional and Spiritual Growth. It's going to be good. I know it is. I know him. comes out in February. You can buy it on Amazon but I get an advanced copy. How cool. Right? God just blessing us. And when I think about all of the generosity that God has shown me through his people, guess what my soul wants to do? It wants to, it wants to cry out Psalm 103, one through five, praise the Lord, my soul and all my inmost being praise his holy name, praise the Lord, my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hmm. Why be generous? It pleases God, it reflects God, it leads to others praising God. Fourthly, generosity is contagious. It is contagious. Um, So, generosity begets generosity. Um, I found this to be true in my own life, I I wonder if you have, but this past week I was talking to somebody in our church, right, and she told me the story of her neighbor that I have met. I've had the pleasure of meeting, and she's a Jesus, she loves Jesus, and um, this member of our church told us that this neighbor lost her daughter in a car accident. And her grandson, her daughter's son, was in the car, too. Um, And thankfully, that grandson was not killed in the car accident. What's pretty amazing, too, is I found out that this neighbor didn't want to take any legal action against the man that killed her daughter. Um, And what happened? Because of this lady's generous forgiveness... The man's father that, that caused the accident set up a trust fund for this lady's grandson. And is an adult, now. he's an adult now and he's doing well financially because of this trust fund. Generosity begets generosity, right? Um, Paul knew this and that's why he, he says that, look, in verses 1 and 2, Corinthians, like your initial zeal to give to the church in Jerusalem, I use that as an example for the Macedonians, which led to them giving like crazy. And now that they have given like crazy, you Corinthians finish what you started. So he used the Corinthians to motivate the Macedonians, now he's using the Macedonians to motivate the Corinthians. Uh, Generosity is so generous, we don't even have to be on the receiving end of the generosity to catch the bug. Sometimes it's just a matter of hearing a story. generosity. Fifthly, generosity leads to equality in the body of Christ. Last week I hit on this, but Paul's emphasis in this passage is equality in the body of Christ. Look, we live in a world that is radically um, unequal, right? There's a ton of inequality. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, that's well documented, that's well documented fact. Um, We talk about the racial injustices and inequality that's happening in our country, and just things go on and on. Mm -hmm. Talk about healthcare and the inequality there and who gets it and who doesn't, Uh, it's, it's just remarkable. Look, our world is all about getting ahead, it's all about being superior to the next person, Um, We don't want to just keep up with the Joneses. We want to crush the Joneses, right? It makes me think of this C.S. Lewis quote. Pride gets no pleasure out of having something, only out of having more of it than the next man. We say that people are proud of being rich or clever or good-looking, but they are not. They are proud of being richer or cleverer or better-looking than others. If someone else becomes equally rich or clever or good-looking, there would be nothing to be proud about. It is the comparison that makes you proud. The pleasure of being above the rest. This is our world in a nutshell, is it not? You think about what's put on social media. This is our world. Now, Paul says the Christian community should be this radical community of equality. Equality. 2 Corinthians eight thirteen and 14, Paul says, For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, remember from last Sunday, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. Look, the Christian community, one of the unique things about you know, the church is that people's acceptance into the community is not based on performance. It is based on grace. It is based on the fact that we are a wreck and we need Jesus to make us right. And, and that why, and for that reason, there can't be any boasting in the body of Christ. We're all equally sinful, equally in need of our, our salvation from Jesus. What's more is, in the community of Christ, we should acknowledge that everybody's made in the image of God and therefore should have their basic needs met. It's caring for the image of God in that person, right? And so there should be equality, not inequality. I was talking to Brandon uh, weeks before the sermon series started. We were talking about the sermon series. He made this comment and it stuck with me. There's no way that I could ever be homeless or hungry. There's no way that I could go without my basic needs met. Why? Because his church family wouldn't let it happen, he told me. Amen? There's none of us. It wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. We wouldn't allow it. Now, may that be true, not of Brandon, because he's a leader here, but of every single one of you. And what confidence that should give us as we go through life that we have a community that won't... If, if things get really bad, we will, it will be impossible for us to go without shelter, food, clothing, transportation. It just won't happen. Right? Um, generosity should lead to equality in the body of Christ. And the only way equality can happen is through generosity. It only happens when those who have much give to those who have less. It's the only way equality can be accomplished. Final thing I'm gonna mention to you, why be generous? Generosity opens people's hearts to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Um, In a a pretty remarkable book, it's called The Triumph of Christianity. Um, The American sociologist of religion, Rodney Stark, he explains how Christianity just spread rapidly through the ancient world. And there's a lot of he says, but one of the things that he really emphasizes is that the ancient world was a rough place to live. The cities were filthy. The disease was, you know, there were diseases all around. The housing was pretty horrible. It was a rough time in history to live. And this is what he says about this. In the midst of the squalor, misery, illness, and anonymity of ancient cities, Christianity provided an island of mercy and security foremost was the christian duty to alleviate want and suffering it started with jesus and stark now he's quoting matthew 25 for i was hungry and you gave me food i was thirsty and you gave me drink i was a stranger and you welcomed me i was naked and you clothed me i was sick and you visited me i was in prison and you came to me truly i say to you as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And then now Stark, quotes James 2, 15 through 17. If a brother or sister is ill-clad and in lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what does it profit? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So in contrast to this, 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 Community of Christians being an island of mercy and security. This is what he says about the ancient world. Check this out. In contrast, in the pagan world and especially among the philosophers, look at this. Mercy was regarded as a character defect and pity as a pathological emotion because mercy involves providing unearned help or relief. As E. E. A. Judge explained, classical philosophers taught that mercy indeed is not governed by reason at all. And humans must learn to curb the impulse. The cry of the undeserving for mercy must go unanswered. This was the pr- prominent thinking of the culture at this time. Pity was a defect of character unworthy of the wise and excusable only in those who have not yet grown up. This was the moral climate in which Christianity taught that mercy is one of the primary virtues, that a merciful God requires humans to be merciful. Moreover, the corollary that because God loves humanity, Christians may not please God unless they love one another was even more incompatible with pagan convictions. Stark is saying one of the reasons why Christianity spread so rapidly was because of the generosity that was expressed from Christian to Christian in meeting the needs that they had in the church. Now, this should not surprise us, should it? Because remember what Jesus said right before he was crucified in John 13, 35. He talked about, he said to his disciples, look, they're going to know you're my disciples by the way you what? Love one another. And guess what? They would know then, if you're loving one another and you're my disciples, guess what? They're probably going to know a little bit about me. Right? Now, Stark goes on to mention in his book, another reason why Christianity spread so fast, is not only because of Christians' generosity to each other, but because of Christians' generosity to outsiders, which is even more unthinkable. And he goes on to mention different plagues that happened in the ancient world and how Christians were phenomenal, putting the, many of them dying to care for the diseased and the sick and the hurting. This is one of the ways that christianity spreads so quickly you see generosity opens up people's hearts to jesus as savior and lord it does Um, and that's why i think so if you think about the church in jerusalem right i find it hard to believe and i think we can make this inference That the collection of resources that Paul raised and gave to the the church in Jerusalem, it had to impact the family members, the friends, the co-workers of of the people in Jerusalem, right? And they were in a great famine, which meant not just the people in the church were going without food. Everybody in the city was. And then for people in the city to see this pool of resources coming to the people in the church and how they're caring for, oh my goodness, that had to lead people to Jesus. Evidently it did. Start, says so. Generosity. Why be generous? Generosity pleases God, shows others what God is like, leads others to praise God. It's (laughs) contagious. Leads to equality in the body of Christ opens people's hearts to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. Um, Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this time today. Thank you for your word that nourishes our soul, that tells us what is true and right and what is ultimate reality, and tells us of your great love and generosity towards us. Lord, thank you for being such a good father, as we sang earlier to us. Lord, I pray that we would be so overwhelmed by your generosity, have such an attitude of gratitude that uh, that just gratitude and generosity just overflow and they pour out of us into other people's lives. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make that true of every person's heart in this room. And that we would truly believe that having less by giving more of it away is actually, in reality, having more. And we'll talk more about that next Sunday. Make that truth real to our heart. And ultimately, Lord, may we want to be generous uh, simply to just bring pleasure to your heart. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.